Dave. Hey, Dave. How are you? I am doing great. As, as great as can be. I always feel like I have to put the, you know, <laughs> put a disclaimer on that. It's- well, first of all, welcome to the What Difference Does It Make podcast. Once again, yeah. we are here. And we've got a we've got a wonderful guest. Please tell us, Holly, who do we have? We do. We have Josie Cotton with us today. Most of you will know her from her hits, Johnny, Are You Queer? And He Could Be the One. But she has also re-released her breakthrough album, Convertible Music. So you can get that now online or, or you can stream it. And then I think later you are releasing the CD and vinyl, right? Yeah, yeah. In the fall, it, it, all the... Uh... The printing of, of uh, LPs is just uh, crazy. Um, a couple have closed, and and now it's uh, everyone's being super creative and putting out records. So it really pushes everything back. So there you go. But that's exciting, though. I mean, vinyl is is back. Are you? Is it going to be pink or what? What color are you going to make this vinyl? Well, I think they're doing some kind of swirling uh, plastic. Uh, you know. You know, rainbowish uh, pattern of uh, it's usually what Bump does because that's who's doing the vinyl, and they they're kind of specialized in that. Yeah, and there's a bonus track, so just switching it up for people a little bit. So that's very exciting. Oh. I, I follow your Instagram account, and it's I love it. First of all, it's amazing. Um, but your last post pretty pretty much sets up uh, the way this whole uh, episode, our whole interview is going to go. Okay. <laughs> Because it just says, okay, so it says, after years of waiting, I finally have the rights to my own record, my baby convertible music. After having to record it three separate times, yes, three, relentless controversy, international boycotts, and record label mismanagement, it's finally back in my hands. Today is a digital release. It's available on all streaming platforms. Okay, so let's, let's break this down now. Uh, How did that come about? Well, first of all, you have the rights to your own record. What was that fight about? What's going on there? It wasn't even a a fight. It was more like accidentally finding out something through a friend um, that a lot of people don't know about, uh, and they don't really let you know. It's a window of just a short amount of time. um, It has to do with something being uh, a certain amount of time, since you were released on, and, and the number, the magic number is 30 years. And that is, um, uh, but if you're not told, uh, you, it, it slips by. And uh, I was asked, you know, uh, told, I got a lawyer, and you just have to request it in writing, and they give it to you. <laughs> but uh, had I not known, I would be so, uh, I'd be so upset because it's just an amazing thing to have. The master's back. Even though they destroyed my master's for some unknown reason, I guess they were doing a bonfire and they needed some uh, fuel, oh, and they go, oh, there's, there's those, Dave, get those. <laughs> Bring them out. No, no. <laughs> and so um, I don't know if they lost them or if they really did destroy them, but um, I was given the rights, and in my case, uh, they didn't. I didn't actually get the two-inch master's back, So, but some people might. And it's all the 80s artists. Everyone in the 80s, is uh, eligible pretty much that's uh, a beautiful thing <laughs> so that's just it so so you said there's a short window yes 
they can say if you, if you miss the window, then you miss the opportunity to yes. get them back. Yes, and they don't let you know. It's really mysterious. It's some kind of a, a secret uh, coven of uh, <laughs> you have to know about in order to <laughs> escape the, the witch trials or something. But I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, you just uh, you lose the opportunity, and I, it was a total accident that I found out. So. Some good soul thought of that for us recording artists from that era. And it's just a very empowering thing um, to have the control again. Uh, Or if I ever did, (laughs) I have control. (laughs) It's wonderful. Yeah, I feel like you feel like we should be getting the word out there. Yeah. But okay, so now, I mean, I'm I'm partially good in math. However, I'm uh, (laughs) 30 years ago is 1990. And this came out in the early 80s, right? So what's, what's the story? What, what's uh, well, the, what is the journey? I, I, that's a good point. That's a good math point. But uh, <laughs> that's what I was told that, uh, that uh, or maybe it was, it was from the 30 years from the, your last, because uh, my second record with them was in 84. So it might have been from that time frame. I get the first two records back that I did with them. That's phenomenal. So, so you'll do the same thing with uh, with your second release as well. well the second release, it's, it's automatic. You ask for both. And then after that, I, I learned the lesson of, of always keeping my masters. And so yeah. no one ever got them after that. Um, uh, so I don't have to ask for them <laughs> or wait. So I love it. such a, a bummer to have to learn that way. You know, I mean, you kind of, we learn as we go, we learn about podcasting <laughs> as we go, but to learn as an artist, you know, when you're putting something out there that somebody, uh, you know, you don't really know how long they're going to own it for at the time. Well, this is a new law. This is like brand new. And, um, I, uh, I, I wish I knew who was the author of it. Cause I like to shake their hand or something. <laughs> <Yes>. shake something. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, good. Well, congratulations. That's thank you. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> your your child has come back home. That's great. My child, <laughs> my very special child, has come back home. Yeah, oh, that's wonderful. Well, okay, we're appreciating it. <laughs> thank you. All right. So the second part in this Instagram post says, after having to record it three separate times, what is right. that? What What does that mean? It's so funny. I've, I've, I've talked about this in interviews, and then I was so nervous about putting it on social media because it's a little more personal. I mean, I, I kind of 
if think of people as more of my extended family a little bit, and that might be odd. I might need to talk to my therapist about that. But I, I, um, so I I posted that. I've never, you know, revealed that information on in that world. But basically, we were recording in L.A. A very famous uh, recording studio uh, called uh, Gold Star. When they had these yeah. very famous, uh, you know about that, the echo chambers underneath the, the streets of Hollywood were, were just uh, just infamous. And um, we were going in there having, after having made several demos and uh, recording, you know, a lot of it. It was a tremendous amount of fighting going on about what if something was sharp or flat. It was like a stand. We found out basically that the that the machines had been speeding up and slowing down the entire time. The Studer two inch machines, and it never happened in their whole history of their company. <laughs> so they flew the, this guy out from Germany, and he went, "Yes, uh, we've never seen that." And so, so we had an album um, after many. You know, everyone was right. It was sharp and flat, but we we had something uh, we couldn't keep, and we had to do it again. And that time we blew out the drummer's eardrums and because uh, we did it to a really loud crack. And then we had to find another drummer because we'd ruined our own and recorded again. And, and it was six months of that. And that at the end, I didn't even know if I liked those songs anymore. I was like, I don't know. what I don't know. Is this good? What are we doing? Mm. And uh, and then Johnny was exploding all over the world. And, the, you know, Electra kept saying, well, you are you finished yet or what's happening? And they thought we were all losing our minds. And I guess we kind of did because it was so imperceptible of the, of uh, you could barely hear. It. it was almost like a feel thing. It was like, that sounds, that's odd. That's giving me, that sounds sharp. No, it's flat. No, it's sharp. It was just really a crazy re- recording experience. All right. We're having some fun with Josie Cotton. Let's take a break and we'll be right back. So guess what? Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash WDDIM podcast and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a free title and start listening. It is just that easy. Again, just go to audibletrial.com slash WDDIM podcast and you're totally set. We're back on the What Difference Does It Make podcast with our very special guest, Josie Cotton. You touched on Johnny, Are You Queer? This was a song that had been going around for, for years. I think, how did, how did this come into your hands? Because it initially it was going to some other artist. Uh, can you tell yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're so polite. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was uh, uh, a song that my producers uh, wrote with the Go-Go's in mind, because uh, they were producing them and working with them. And, and that was a song they did live for, uh, you know, a couple of years while they were working together. And then they parted ways. So I was the singer to be on the demo, uh, the demo that was going to go around to get a, de- you know, for just their publishing demo. And uh, it turns out just people loved what, what we'd recorded, and it, that turned into the record, actually, the demo that we made. You know, that's where it took off, or escaped, as a whatever. <laughs> Charlie, what's the deal, boy? Is your love for real, boy? 
I read somewhere that you didn't in, you you weren't intending to become a singer? Well, no, no. I I um I wanted to be more a songwriter, and um, that was you know I was I liked singing. I loved singing. I just didn't want to be necessarily the person out there doing it. Um, <laughs> you know, like I just too yeah, late. Yeah, too late. <laughs> yeah, I I can't withdraw now. I guess. <laughs> Did, how many of those songs on convertible music did you write? I wrote most of them. Yeah. I wrote like I think seven of them of the uh, uh, you know, and then the Payne Brothers wrote uh, a few, and um, you know, it's, a couple other ones. Yeah, they're they're great. I mean, it it, it definitely <laughs> comes from a female perspective. You could tell that. I mean, on these stories, you the the woman is is in control of the relationship, or it's like, all right, you're going to leave, or I I want you. I mean, it was it seems like. That was your persona. This is this is something oh, I want. What was that? I, that's interesting. I've never heard someone say that before, but I I really do like that a lot. Yeah, it wasn't a very needy album. Like, please love me. It wasn't like that at all. <laughs> right. It was a girl group, or you know, it was based out of the '60s, but it had it definitely had a different perspective. Something that was yeah. fresh and and definitely for you know. For the early '80s, it was made nice. for the yeah. '80s. Yeah, nice no one's ever caught that before. No one has ever what? said that, and it's so true. Oh, that's crazy! Yeah, hey, very <laughs> observant of you. Oh well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Always thinking of the girls. <laughs> Girl perspective. I have, yeah, I have two daughters. He's so. very attuned. Oh, to really? Yes. Yeah, so. Oh. So okay, back to Johnny. Are you queer? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I, I talked to this guy, uh, record promoter Rich Schmidt. Do you know him? Of course I know Rick. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I just talked to him as he's trying to get it onto KROQ, the big alternative station in the 80s. He told me, I believe the station had a little pushback that we exploited. A fake organization was created and we sent a complaint about the song to the local media. A local news outlet took the bait and sent a film crew to the station to, to film a group of protesters, in quotes, and then went inside the station and took video of the turntable spinning the 12-inch. It was played on local news and might have been picked up by some national outlets too. Is that all true? Well, that is true. <laughs> but uh, but in addition to that, it actually was being played on these televangelist shows uh, that w- was not instigated by K Rock. They were um, they were showing it on the TBN channel while uh, hold and <laughs> holding it up and saying that was actually a man trying to promote homosexuality. That was <laughs> that was the the their take on it and they recorded it at half speed on until i watched it because i i was i was watching all that kind of crazy religious stuff at the time which was really entertaining <laughs> and they were playing at half speed and um i sounded just like brian wilson it was a beautiful <laughs> thing <laughs> we should nice. try that But I was so relieved to hear that I didn't exist. It was such a phew. God, I was. I thought maybe I did, but. So you ran with this controversy. Is that uh, is that? Correct? Well, I mean, they ran with it, and um, and but there were plenty of takers. They, they were they were real, uh, you know, 
right-wing reactions to yeah. it. And it was actually something that um, I think that they had heard that there was, you know, some problems. Uh, it did get banned by the Catholic Church. So I'm sh- I don't think K-Rock's, you know, planned mm-hmm. that one out. <laughs> and then banned in Amsterdam. So, uh, you know, it kind of it took off on its own. So, um, yeah. Well, thank you to Amsterdam, because I'm sure that yeah. created some, some well, buzz as well. well yeah. That's going on my gravestone. I, I Band in Amsterdam. Moniker. Band in Amsterdam. <laughs> Which is pretty funny when you think about it, if that really was their perception of the song. Yeah. It's so, in, it's so innocent. I always believed that. And, um, yeah, so there was, it was, um, you know, it was a kind of a crazy uh, time, uh, that song. I mean, it was, it was more like an atom bomb than, you know, people say, well, how does it feel to have such a big hit and how do you follow up? Well, it really wasn't a hit song because I never made any money and it was never on AM radio. You know what I mean? I got banned from radio. It was just, so it can't be a hit technically if, if it, <laughs> but it was an atom bomb. I will say that it really blew up. All. <laughs> a lot of press and a lot of, you know, a lot of, you know, reaction. Yeah. When you were in gold star, I guess you were recording it. Someone um, introduced you to uh to a band. This was something I saw also on Instagram that, that someone stopped in and kind of introduced you to a new band. Is that, uh, can you tell that story? Oh yeah. Well, we, we'd recorded Johnny before Gold Star. We'd recorded it, um, separately in a, in a little, just a little home studio. Oh, so okay. we, um, but, but, and in that home studio, yeah, I heard the demo tape, uh, when we were recording Johnny of, um, yeah, of Missing Persons. It was just such an, um, amazing sound i just really thought we were in such big trouble because it sounded so great i was like how do we oh that it's so good <laughs> and uh, yeah so that was an amazing time just to hear the new bands and uh you, you didn't know what was going to stick or anything but that one definitely did yeah, you're both you're both around. I think uh, you've you've done tours with Dale now, right? I, yeah, I've done a few shows with her. I sure have. Yeah, <laughs> we're supposed to do one in September in San Francisco with the the, the gal Annabelle from Bow Wow and Missing Persons and myself in some really beautiful club. And I think they have to cancel it again. We canceled it once. Yeah, you know. And now September is a little close. That's a little. <laughs> I don't think we're. We're quite there yet, do you? No, I, sadly, no. Yeah, I think we're going to have to wait till uh, twenty twenty one before. Yeah, we... I do too. Yeah, if everybody behaves themselves, yeah. if everybody, well, I can't believe California has. Yeah. I thought everyone, you know, was more evolved or uh, more aware, but no. <laughs> uh, yeah, they kind of go against themselves. Uh, yeah, what you think about them? It's surprising, isn't it? Well, I just heard that there was a, a huge party in Mulholland. Right. Uh, that now you heard about that, yeah. and they they were turned off all the power on the house. It's amazing. Yeah, that's what the, the governor's threatening <laughs> to turn off the power on everyone now. I love it. All right. <laughs> I mean, Good. Cool. It's, it's acting like a yeah. They have to act like parents now. Like I'm. I'm they oh. have. You're right. They have. They're, they're begging for the boundaries. <laughs> Right, exactly, like like a baby. Like a baby. <laughs> um, so true. Well, you did record a, a nice little track uh, with called "Flatten the Curve." Uh, how'd that come about? This is this is a uh, Jubilee Consortium and Sweet Relief. And, yeah, uh, yeah. So well, what, that was uh, my manager. My manager is Bruce Duff, and he's also involved in our, our label and, and whatnot. And it was it was uh, his uh, partner. Uh, 
wrote the song, Frank Meyer, and at first I thought it was such a hokey idea, and, yeah. I, and I, I just said, yeah, I don't know, and then I heard the song, and it was so catchy. It was actually, like, so catchy, and I was excited. Uh, there are all these musicians, and there's, you know, I've, I've never met, and, and um, they were all doing it, and so... Um, that was fun uh, to, uh, to be involved in that. I don't know how they mixed it, 30 singers. Right. <laughs> so crazy. He did it, in his, and we all did it remotely, and then we did a video remotely. I guess that's the way of the future. I guess we're all going to be in, uh, in like, little, you know, capsules under the earth or something now and never go out and see the sky. And oh. Is that our future? No. I, I <laughs> I hope it's just a snapshot in time when we look back in, you know, in a few years that we yeah. look back and say, oh, that was it. We, it, it forced us to be more creative. That's for sure. Yeah, yes. And to look at things more carefully yeah. in, uh, in society. I mean, I think some really, I actually think some great stuff is coming out of this. And, and uh, I think it's maybe our last chance to get our stuff together here on the earth. I mean, it was so clear. I just every day I look, looking out downtown, and it's like I can't believe I'm seeing no smog in in Los Angeles. It was, yeah, it was just lovely. That no traffic and no traffic. Yeah. <laughs> Did you enjoy yeah. the recording process? Now you know, trying to do it in your home. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. I'm not a technical person, and um, so it was hard. Because I'm doing it by, all by myself. So, yeah, I'm not an engineer. I will just <laughs> say that emphatically. <laughs> yeah, you definitely will definitely come out with new skills. <laughs> I think so, yeah. Uh, I, uh, yeah. Last year, you released that Bay album, your original album that was going to be released in 1986, Everything is Oh Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, that was supposed to be my third album. Mm. Okay, and so yeah, I, you, I saw that you released this last year. Was this in conjunction? You also, you have music in Stranger Things. In the well, it was, that's how I found that record. They they were asking me uh, for songs, and then I, I, we went on a search, and we ended up finding all these, these two-inch tapes in various people's <laughs> attics and garages. And <laughs> I thought it was lost. I really did. Didn't, I didn't think there was a chance, but we put it together, and... and we had to bake the tapes, you know. That's a process for yeah. two days. Yeah. Literally baking <laughs> the low, uh, he, the low heat baking, which is so strange. And uh, there was no degradation of sound. It was quite amazing, amazing to hear it. And it was it had been in uh, rafters with the rain leaking. It had been through earthquakes and and uh, floods and fires. And when I was living out in you know a different area, and it, it, it just amazingly uh, survived. <laughs> the whole thing durable so so did they originally come to you for for new music or did they ask you for something specific what they asked what they at my publishing company they asked uh we're looking for 80s records that were never released and i and i I, they said that to me i said i think i have one of those but that's what an odd request (laughs) it was an entire record i just like left you know, it was kind of like a crime scene, a crime scene tape, and then I just like left the building, and and I said, I think I have a finished record that was never released, and uh, and that that's how we ended up doing that. That's fortuitous. Yeah, I know. It, it was it, it was quite miraculous because it had been raining on them in in our rafters, uh, leaking roof and stuff. So 
I don't know even know how that happened, but I'm, I'm glad it was. It felt great to, to to finally finish something like that because it was always like, oh gosh, that was really good. I, I wish uh, you know, blah blah blah. So now it's it's just like, oh gosh, to be able to just completely exhale for a second, for like a mini second, <laughs> and go back into our world, which is not very relaxing now. I guess you knew at the time what a big hit Stranger Things was. Because yeah. Was- oh, I, oh, I was a huge fan. Like I, I'm a science fiction geek. I'm, I yeah. know all these shows, and there's some great ones. Uh, yeah, it was, it was super flattering. And um, I, my, you know, I think uh, my idea about Stranger Things it was a little more techno part of the '80s. It was a, it was a little moodier, more synthesizer-y version of yeah. the 80s so i never thought i quite fit in with their aesthetic they obviously thought so i guess <laughs> i don't know i don't know <laughs> okay so we're having a lot of fun with josie cotton but let's stop it right here sorry holly and sorry it's got already so we'll pick it up next week yeah yes we will we will you can't have too much fun all at once right you got to kind of uh, stretch out the uh, the enjoyment uh, spread out the fun yes yeah, so it is a party here with josie and it's uh we're having a great time please remember to follow us on all your favorite social networks we have a newsletter at wddimpodcast.com so uh we look forward to seeing you please give us great reviews and until next week this is dave this is holly check you later over and out It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.